I'm going to give you one more chance tonight to put them hands together and declare that he's good in this place. Uh, push your neighbor, tell him uh, he's good all the time. You are good. You are good all the time. All the time. You are good. You are good all the time. All the time. You are tonight on your way to your seat tell him tell him tell him I got a miracle in my hand hallelujah Woo. anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord on Tuesday night you can be seated for just a very brief moment I want to take an opportunity tonight to again say what a privilege it is to have our guests with us here in the house of the Lord. Would you help me put your hands together one good time? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests that are here with us tonight. We're so glad that you joined us. Those streaming online, we're glad that you tuned in to see what God is doing in this place tonight. We are excited about what God has been doing in this place. Amen. Sunday when the Lord finished in this house, I'm telling you, my phone has been ringing this week. God opening doors. God doing the miraculous for people. Amen. I'll just share one quick one with you. Brother Brian has been dealing with some physical ailments. And when he woke up Monday morning, he was pain-free. Amen. 
He said, day one of the miracle. Uh, woke up this morning, sent me a text, said day number two. Brother Brian, you might as well just get your calendar out and start marking it up ahead of time. Uh, you might as well just start putting a line through all of next week and next week. Uh, because his word is sure. His arm is not slack. Is there anybody else with a testimony in the building that you can stand on his word? Oh, I just need two or three people with the praise in your spirit that says, I got a miracle in this room with my name on it. There's a miracle with my family's name on it. There's a miracle in the room with my name on you got to learn to be like like the man that looked at Jesus and said listen I need a miracle God said hold on one moment let me finish what I'm doing and I'll come with you and the man said hold up a second you ain't dealing with a bunch of them jack legs out there that don't believe you he said I'm a man under authority he said, all I do is say the word and things start moving. He said, all I do is release a command and men have to go here and things begin to happen. And he understood if I've got that much power in my authority, God, all you got to do is speak the word and it's already done. When God finds somebody with that kind of faith, my God, I wish somebody would tonight say God uh, just release the word uh, and it's already done if you really believe it uh, you ought to give him praise uh, like it's already done tonight uh, come on I can imagine him uh, just shouting all the way uh, back to his house uh, when I get there uh, I'm going to walk into a miracle uh, when I open the door uh, there's going to be a miracle waiting for me uh, that's the kind of faith uh, that somebody in the building uh, ought to release tonight. Uh, your miracle is just waiting uh, on you uh, to catch up to it. Tell your neighbor my miracle is just waiting for me to get there. It's already done. It might be in your tomorrow. Uh, it might be in your next week. Uh, but if you've got faith, it is all uh, ready. The mountain's already moved. Uh, I said the mountain has already been moved. Uh, your time just has to catch up uh, with God's promises. Somebody, I dare you to clap your hands if you believe that one more time tonight. Amen. God has been doing some amazing things. We're so excited about it. How many of you have been enjoying this series of holiness teaching in this place? My, 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 my. God has been doing some great things. What an honor it is to have co-pastor and Lady Mendoza back in the house of the Lord with us. I think we ought to give a God a praise for this man's ministry. I mean, he turned the building upside down on Sunday night. And what an honor it is to have them back in the house of the Lord. As he mentioned, we've, we've just, our families have adopted each other. And there's a legal debate on whether it's going to be Moses Williams or Williams Mendoza. We're still working on all of that. But we sure do love them and appreciate them. And glad that they're here tonight. And uh, I, I, I told him on Sunday, I said, we, man, we'd love to hear from your wife if at all possible. And, and he got, he got... 
I tell you what, he got a look of fear in his eyes. And he said, hold on a second now. I'm really hoping I could keep the offering check. And if I give her the mic, I may never get to touch it again after that. And then she would have to get the offering instead of me. But I'm glad to have Sister Mendoza in the house of the Lord tonight. Dynamite comes in small packages sometimes. <laughs> Amen. And uh, how many of you were absolutely blessed by the ministry of my dad, my bishop, Bishop Elder on Sunday morning? Was that not a life-changing word from heaven on Sunday morning? I'm telling you, God has, has, has sent us the very, very best. And... Uh, we have been in a series of lessons on holiness in our midweek services, and uh, it just ha so happened to work out. Uh, I say that tongue-in-cheek because we know that with God, nothing just happens. And, uh, but the last time that, that I taught this series from the pulpit, uh, I think it was maybe on the second or third lesson, Bishop Elder, we flew him in because there was a particular subject uh, that I, I really wanted his voice uh, to, to, to be here and his fingerprints to be on in the holiness series. And it just so happened that they came for the wedding and to be here with us, and it landed in, almost in the same sequence as the lessons that I taught last time. And so he's going to be teaching our holiness class tonight. And now Bishop taught me when I was a young man, he said the only big difference between uh, teaching and preaching is teaching is telling it and preaching is yelling it. And uh, I say that tongue in cheek, but you understand what I mean. In every bit of teaching, there's a little bit of preaching and in every bit of preaching, there's a little bit of teaching. Teaching is just more teaching centric. Preaching is more preaching centric. And we have been dealing in the last couple of lessons with the whole man. The entire man. We understand that part of the revelation of the term holiness is that we are completely holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. We are completely sanctified unto God, separated unto him. And that includes our body, our soul, and our spirit. And in our last lesson, we dealt with the inner man. How many of you remember that lesson from last Tuesday? If you were not here or have missed any of these lessons, I encourage you to go back uh, on any of those platforms and, and, and get yourself plugged in to what God has been doing here. And we left off last lesson understanding that our inner man, our hearts and our minds are to be preserved blameless. That the intention of God is that, that our inner man is preserved that he does not decay, that he is not destroyed by, by, the, by the, 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 the hater of our soul, the enemy of our soul. And so uh, this lesson tonight is, uh, I have heard Bishop preach this uh, several times in my life, and it is always so absolutely incredible. But I want you to think about and contextualize what the word of the Lord has for us tonight within the context of what we have been doing here in the middle of the week. How many of you believe God's going to move in a powerful way in this place? 
as you stand to your feet all over this building, how many of you came hungry for God's word and ready to respond to however God wants to move in this place tonight? Are you ready? Are you ready tonight? Put your hands together one more time and give God a great big praise as Bishop Elder comes to deliver the word of the Lord tonight. Come on, Bishop. We love you. Oh, let's give that hand clap of praise to him like we mean it. Hallelujah. I think we can do better than that. There you go. He's worthy. The Lord is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thank you. You may be seated for a minute here. You know, they put those lights in our church too. I can't see it. This is old country expression, a cotton-picking thing. <laughs> but I'm so happy to be here tonight with you wonderful people, and I'm excited about what Jesus is doing. And I know I'm not yelling right now because I'm saving my voice. The older I get, I have to decide, do you want to sing or do you want to preach? Well, tonight I want to preach or teach or whatever you want to call it. Praise God, and uh, I feel like God wants to do some special things, but before I go there, I want to say thank you to Pastor and First Lady Williams for their hospitality to my beautiful wife and myself. We love you very, very much, and Brother Judah and Brother Isaac and now Sister uh, Tiana and all of the family, Sister Alice was just still here. We go back a long ways, and uh, Sister Jeanette, and uh, man, Pueblo has raised some incredible people. <clears throat> Reminds me of an old country song years ago, and I don't know the name of it. It was years ago. That the, It was like a ballad, and it was about... Uh, this old farmer down south and his family and uh, all of a sudden this is back before marijuana was moralized which God's never moralized it but anyway but the state workers come in and saw that marijuana growing on their property so the song says they come in and they chop 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 and they burn 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 and they chop 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 and they burn 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 and and they got back in their trucks, threw their shovels and their fire back in there. And they were so smug and happy. And they drove out. And while they were driving out, the family was waving at them, sitting on that bag of seed. <laughs> well, that's the way Pueblo is in a good way. You can try to put us out, devil, but we still... We still Rejoice not against us, oh my enemy. We got more coming on. You're going to hear some more. And I feel that way about this, this family that we have here in, in, uh, in Fort Myers. I also uh, want to say how it has been a blessing of the Lord to meet Brother and Sister Mendoza, and I, I, I may have met him this year at No Limits when I was there, but I really got to meet him here, and I am just, I am so impressed. I mean, I was listening to him preach 
You know, I grew up in Pentecost. I'm fifth generation Pentecost. My Aunt Grace got the Holy Ghost right after the Holy Ghost was poured out in Topeka, Kansas. Before Azusa Street. So you're not going to impress me with how good you can preach. I've heard the best. What I'm looking for is how does God respond with signs following? And I was very impressed by the way this man of God delivered his heart in sincerity and power. Paul said, I came not to you with enticing words and man's wisdom, but I came in demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, that's what we heard Sunday night was God manifesting himself through his word. Praise God, Brother and Sister Mendoza. I already love you and your family, and it's such an honor. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to the book of Matthew chapter 13, and you're all prepared for a Bible study, and I'm prepared for a miracle. Y'all come here to relax, and I come here to see God move. You left yours at home, but I got mine with me. I got my ticket. You know what I'd do if I was you? I'd take a screenshot of that dude and I'd carry it with me everywhere I go. Y'all just got to get hip with the times here. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, verse number 44. I don't know what time it is. Oh, it's 8.16. They're reminding me. It's only 6.16 at home. Church hadn't even started yet. I'm going to read one passage of scripture from Matthew and then I didn't give this to you whoever are doing the scripture but if you could get from me Genesis chapter 25 and 27 and my apologies for not giving that to you. Uh, I don't have Alzheimer's but I do have some timers. Praise God. So please forgive me whoever is doing the media presentation there. Now notice, the parables are principles and laws and insight into the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a treasure. Everybody say treasure. Hid in a field. Everybody say field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth... And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath. Just like Brother Stewart said tonight, he's all in. All in. And he buyeth that field. Now I want to read one more passage of scripture, and it's found in the book of Genesis, chapter 25. Put that up here. I'd appreciate it if you can't. I'll just read it. It's what we did in olden days before we all became welfareites and expected people at the church to do all of this. I can't get some of you to smile tonight. You must have worked hard today. In Genesis chapter 25 and verse number 27, you know, I, I, I got to work on Pastor Williams. We, uh, man, we teach our... We teach our media, you got to be on the fly. There we go. There we go. <laughs> 27, and the boys grew. Everybody say the boys grew. Esau 
was a cunning hunter. And he was a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And I want to I want to title this tonight The Strange Attractor. The Strange Attractor. And I love this series that Pastor Williams is teaching. I think that holiness, you know, 960 times, I believe, a little over 960 times in the Bible, the word holy, holiness, holier is used, which tells us holiness is a big deal with the Lord God. The writer of Hebrews said, follow peace with all men, and that's where most people stop. But he also said, and holiness, without which no man shall see God. That doesn't just mean you're not going to get to heaven. That means you're not going to see his mighty hand. You're not going to see him work. You want to see God work? You want to see his blessings? You want to see his overflow? Holiness is how you get there. Praise God. So if you will uh, worship God one more time with me before you're seated, let's give him a high praise. Lift your voice, not just your hands. Let's fill this place with our praise and our worship. God, we love you and we honor you. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God. Have your way in this service tonight. In the name of Jesus, praise God. You may be seated. There's many things I want you to notice. Now, my my text was from Matthew chapter 13, but I want you to notice some things about Jacob and Esau that is extremely important. In Matthew chapter 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 44, it says, remember the kingdom of God is like a treasure that is hid in a field. It's not the field. It's the treasure. Okay. Now, in this particular case, the Bible says that when the man found... He hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and buyeth that field. Now, we know that that's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that the field is the world. Everybody say, the field is the world. He, he didn't come to redeem the world, although he loves the whole world. For God so loved the world. Anybody remember that from a kid? St. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. But we go on. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. The world is already condemned. But he found a treasure in the world and that treasure is the church. You and I, the bride of Christ. And all of this is displayed in this story between uh, Jacob and Esau, Jacob who later became Israel. And Esau, and the Bible says here in Genesis 
chapter uh, 25 and verse number 27, the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Now, when you read it from the old King James, which I love the King James Bible. I, I, that's my standard Bible. Don't have time to talk about that tonight. But many times, many of you that speak two languages realize it's very difficult to bring some words out of one language into another language. Now, poke your neighbor and say, wake up. He's fixing to preach to us. Anybody speak two languages, you know the difficulty it is of taking some words out of one language and trying to display them and get a clear definition out of that word in another language. So when the Bible says that Esau was a cunning hunter, it means he was very subtle. He was very covert. He wasn't overt. He wasn't in your face. He was underhanded. He was subtle. He was deceptive. He was seductive. It was underhanded. One minute, have you ever been around people that know how to trap? They know how to ensnare. How many of you know the difference between a snare and a trap? A trap has steel teeth on it. And when it snaps, it's designed to break the leg of the animal, but you don't want to break the leg because many times the animal will chew the leg off and escape, but it's designed to break the leg. But a snare is not like that. A snare is a little string on the ground that the animal steps in and he triggers that snare and it snatches. It's like a lasso. And the more that that animal struggles, the tighter that snare gets. Really, the only way for an animal to get out of a snare is they've got to have help. They've got to have help. Sometimes they can, they can maybe get lucky, but most generally, if they get out of that snare, they have to have help. And so God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners in a condemned world, he died for us. So we have Esau who is the cunning one, who is the trapper, the hunter, the one that sets the snares. And then we have Jacob, and this is where it gets a little obscure because it says that he was a plain man and he dwelt in what this really means it comes the word plain comes from the Hebrew word tam which literally means pious or upright he was a very pious or religious man and while Esau loved to walk away from his father and he loved to walk away from his mother and he felt more comfortable in the field Jacob loved his father. And Jacob loved his mother. And the Bible says that he loved his home, his dwelling place. Now we call it a church, but the Bible calls it a tabernacle, which means it's a dwelling place. So this was a pious man that he loved 
to hang around daddy. And he loved to hang around mama. And he loved to hang around the church. I'm going somewhere. I hope, I hope you had a little bit of Geritol or something to pick you up before church tonight. Because God wants to do something in this house. And so, it is an analogy, but I want to tell you, I, I am clearly making a statement of the difference between one man who loves the field and loves what's in the field and another man who loves his father, the Lord God in the analogy, and loves his mother, the church in the analogy, and loves the dwelling place of the church. Psalms chapter 84 says, how amiable is thy dwelling place. Or in common language, how lovely is your dwelling place, almighty God. Uh, uh, Give me verse number two here. There we go. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth, for the courts are the house of the Lord. And my flesh crieth out, verse number three, for the living God. Look at this. Even the sparrow hath found an house, and they swallow a nest, and the swallow a nest. Even birds have more sense than some people I know. Because they know the safest place for their babies is in the house of God. They know the safest place for their children is in the altars of God. How many of you are thankful for the house of God? How many of you are thankful? Are you thankful for a father that loves you? Are you thankful for a mother that loves you? Are you thankful for a place that he has given us that we can worship him? Oh, clap your hands to the king of kings. so we see the one who likes the field and we see the one who likes the treasure in the field one of them loves to go far out and experience what the field has to offer one of them loves the treasure that's in the field now There are many here in this house tonight that are better explaining this math phenomenon. But in a math equation, or in math equations, there are what are known as common attractors, and there are what are known as strange attractors. Anybody that teaches math, you know this. You you learn about strange attractors when you get into quantum physics and stuff like that, and And nanotechnology really has brought us some interesting things. It scares the beejeebers out of me, whatever beejeebers are. In the mathematical field of dynamical systems, an attractor is a set of states toward which a system tends to evolve. For a wide variety of starting conditions of the system, 
System values that get close enough to the attractor values remain close, even if slightly disturbed. In finite dimensional systems, the evolving variable may be represented algebraically as an n-dimension vector. The tractor is a region in dimensional space. In physical systems, the n-dimension may be, for example, two or three positional coordinates for each of one or more physical entities in economic systems. They may be separate variables, such as inflation, as the inflation rate and the, the unemployment rate. In a not not, not in verified in or not verified, excuse me, in body. If the evolving variables is two or three dimensional, the attractor of the dynamic process can be represented geometrically. I know you all just know exactly what I'm talking about right now. I mean, you just thought about this all afternoon. It can be represented geometrically in two or three dimensions. As for example, in three-dimensional cases, uh, uh, in a three-dimensional case depicted to the right, which I don't have a picture, I can't show you when I was writing this all out, an attractor can be a point, a finite set of points, a curve, a, a manifold, or even complicated set with fractal structures. And this becomes known as the strange attractor. If the variable is scalar, the attractor is subject is sub, is a subset, excuse me, of the real number line describing the attractors of the chaotic dynamical systems that has been one of the achievements achievements of the chaos theory. The best way I know to explain this and I don't even know if they do this anymore, but in the old days when I first started buying my computer, I would leave it on and forget to turn it off. And then they told me it was better to leave it on. So when I would leave it on, it would be there for about five minutes. And then all of a sudden, you'd see this weird design start playing out all over that computer screen. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about anymore? They go to sleep. But back in those days... They had what was known as a screensaver, kind of looked like your $135,000 screensaver up here. That's a pretty expensive screensaver. But if you follow that, what you are seeing on that computer is you are seeing a strange attractor. This is a phenomenon. In quantum physics, they still do not know how this happens. And they discovered this by accident. And if you were to really separate this down and slow it down and get to the actual pixels of the light, you would find out that it is one molecule of light and it is flowing and as it flows in this chaos, it, they don't know how to explain it, but the rest of that light and energy begin to follow that strange attractor. They begin to assume the characteristics of that strange attraction. They begin to assume the nature of that strange attractor. And so it is part of the phenomena of that field 
that eventually what is ever in the area of that attractor, what is ever a part of that system, that system, that everybody loves the word system today. What is ever in whatever system it is. Maybe it's a solar system. We know about that. We know about that from our Newtonian ancestry in education here in America. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, what, what was his name? Newton. Uh, Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton, the wonderful scientist. Isaac Newton, who actually created a solar system. And it has been told that he had one of his atheist scientist friends come in and said, man, that is beautiful. It was mechanical. Y'all still with me? I'm going to preach tonight. When they, when they, when his buddy, his, his atheist buddy saw, and it was intricate. I mean, it was clear out to back, back then. What's, what's the farthest one out there? I can't remember. Uh, Pluto, Pluto. It's not a dog. It's a planet. Pluto. And when they get out on the end, he had it all and it was on chains and he would crank it and he would show the system, the solar system. And his atheist buddy said, how, who created that? He said, oh, it just happened. It just happened. It's just, this stuff's been sitting around here for millions of years and it just happened. That really happened. And, and we have so much that Isaac Newton taught us. Did you know that Isaac Newton believed in one God? He did not believe in Trinitarian theory. He didn't believe in any of that. He knew there was one God. Anybody that thinks this through, that's really got, they're, they're not being emotional and trying to be like grandpa and grandma and all of this. They all know there's only one God. When you think it through, you can't be God if there's other gods around. Isaiah 43, is there a God beside me? Yeah, I know not any. I, even I am the Lord. And that's where you start with separation, brothers and sisters, is you realize there's one God and Jesus is his name. Oh, are you hearing what the Spirit is saying tonight? So... Isaac Newton taught us about the molecules and he taught us about there is outer space and there is inner space. You have the microcosmic space which is inner space and you have the macrocosmic space which is outer space. All of you that hated science, pop your sleeping pill. I love science because the word science means search for truth. And that's what I'm doing. I'm searching for truth. I'm not just trying to do something because somebody told me I want to know the truth. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Micro, micro, the, the, the micro, microsphere is inward. Microscope. We're looking down in here. And that's where you find the molecules, the neutrons, the atoms, but they have their systems too. They all follow the order. 
It is systematic. You've got to get that for this message to mean anything to you. And then you have the macro or the, the atmosphere and the stratosphere and you get clear out into the solar systems which is outwardly and all of them have their systems. That's, when, that's, one, of the, that's one of the ontological evidences that there is a God. That's one of the ontological evidences that you can look at your teacher and say, when they start spouting all that stuff, you need to tell them, I got a theological word for that. Baloney. No, that's an Italian word. Baloney. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I got to hurry on here. I'm going somewhere. And so you have the micro systems and you have the macro systems. And, and, and so you have in the New Testament, we have this story of a man that buys the field. Now, Newton recognized that there were, there were these fields. But when Newton and what he gave us is good, but he didn't have the computers that we have and he didn't have the systems that we have to study this. And when Newton uh, made a lot of his theories and declarations, which turned out to be more than theories, they turned out to be true, he would realize that in this outer space and even in the inner space, there were vast amounts of distance between this, uh, this planet and this planet. And so he would realize that it took tremendous energy. I'm gonna preach whenever I get through with this science lesson. It took tremendous amount of energy to get this from one position to the other. But as time progressed, we begin to realize that in between that vast area, there were other fields. There were fields that you could not see, but they were there. You can see some of this. Many years ago, I was teaching Pastor Williams' uncle, Uncle Bobby. I was teaching him a Bible study. I drove back and forth from Walsenburg for I don't know how many years. Every Tuesday night, my wife and I, that's where I got fat. Because Auntie Sandy would make chocolate cake and Uncle Bobby would find real cream. I don't know where he found that at. And I'm going to tell you something. I may have been on a fast, but right then I put that fast on hold. <laughs> Forgive me, Jesus. But late one night on a Tuesday night, we were driving home and I looked up over Pueblo. This is the first time and the last time I've ever seen this. And I saw a whole array of lights and it looked like the rapture was taking place. And I could not figure out what in the world. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And I thought, man, are those angels? Is the Lord fixing to step out on the cloud? And then all of a sudden it hit me. I was seeing the northern lights as far south as Pueblo, Colorado. And it looked like they were right up over, and I don't remember the scientific name, something, areola or whatever it is. 
but I began to realize I was seeing a space field. That field that was a strange attractor that I wasn't really seeing uh, lights, but I was seeing light particles that were in that field and they were dancing and they were, they were doing all kinds of stuff and it was beautiful. It was attractive, even though it was a strange attractive. It was very attractive. And that's one of those fields that, uh, that Newton had no way of explaining, but they're there. There are other fields like that. There are electrical fields that are very, very powerful. In fact, if there's electricians here tonight, you will tell people that when you get around high voltage, you work with special, special uh, tools and special gloves because you don't even have to touch that wire. You have to understand electricity does not run through the wire. Electricity runs around the wire and it creates a field that will attract you whether you want to be attracted or not. There's an electrical field and they taught me early if you want to find out if a wire is hot, then get your buddy to touch it. No, that's not. <laughs> Anybody remember them old magnetos on a lawnmower? My dad and his buddy, they'd get a kick. They'd say, son, grab that wire right there. Tell me if there's any fire. <laughs> Man, that, that's DC current. It will knock you to kingdom come. But AC current will reach out and grab you. So they teach you to, to touch it with the back of your hand. So when it hits you, if it's low enough, you can get your hand away. But if it's 75,000 volts, you're not going to get your hand away. It's going to reach out and grab you. I'm preaching tonight. I'm preaching about the strange. It's attractive, brothers and sisters. It's beautiful. It has parts of it that look, that it looks moral. In fact, the Bible says, and no wonder, because Satan himself has betrayed himself as an angel of light. He's here to tell you, it'll help your kids. He's here to tell you, it will help your marriage. He'll tell you all kinds of lies. And it looks attractive. The field looks real good. But there's things that you begin to learn about the field. You begin to learn that once you get in that field, that you begin to assume the nature of that field. Once you get in that field, you begin to assume the characteristics of that field. It starts grabbing you and all of a sudden, you start talking like everybody else that's in that field. You start watching what everybody else watches in that field. And your conversations, when, oh, I come to preach tonight. And your conversations, when you go out to eat with other people that are in that field, it's all about what was in the field. And pretty soon, you know more about baseball statistics than you do the Word of God. 
You know more about football players than you do the word of God. And you're studying statistics and you're trying to be a part of a field and it looks beautiful and it looks like, I'm preaching to some of you right now. You're wearing the same dreadlocks that your favorite football player are wearing. You're wearing the same tennis shoes that your basketball, your favorite star is wearing. You can't afford the studs that they have in their ear, so you found some fake ones. What, what was that guy? I, I read, I can't even remember his name. He played for the Denver Nuggets. He plays somewhere up, I don't remember his name. I read where he, he paid $4 million for one earring. Jesus, give me that $4 million. Let me show you what $4 million are doing in the kingdom of God. Now listen, brothers and sisters, this, this field is very subtle. It's very deceptive. It will portray to you that you need it. That's the only way you're going to get out of poverty is this field. There's 365 NBA players in the world and the devil has told four billion young people in America that the way they're going to get out of poverty is to be an NBA player. And he's lied to you and you're wasting your whole life spending eight hours a day down at a basketball court. Well, I lost some of my shouters right there. But that's all right. When I'm feeling like I'm feeling right now, I'll preach in a library. I don't care. Listen, young man. Listen, young lady. I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some statistics that's going to blow your mind here in a minute. But, but, but you got to realize, I'm not against those people. I love those people. They're deceived by the same devil. Remember, it's not people that's our enemy. It's the devil. And remember... The Bible says that while everybody slept, the enemy went in there and sowed terrors. And what looks fruitful to you, when you finally get it, it's empty. It's like the wise man said, it's, oh, I come not preaching the anointing tonight. It's vanity and vexation. When you finally get that championship, you're like John Elway. I heard him when they, when they interviewed him. He said, I thought this was everything. But when I finally held uh, uh, that championship, Brother Mendoza, in my hand, he said, it, didn't, it just didn't do for me what I thought. But the enemy hates you, young man. The enemy hates you, young lady. It, it, it's in the whole system. Now, I, I can only deal with one, and I'm going to deal with sports tonight. But it's in the entertainment system. That lady, Hetcha, Hollywood movie star, 
I don't know how she did it. I hope it was an accident. She ran her car into a building and they spent four hours in a burning building to get her out. She's a beautiful lady, but she'll deal with the scars of that forever. But I was reading today, she had a very, very similar part in a movie. I don't remember what the movie was. And it's almost identical to the part that she played in that movie because the enemy hates your guts, young man. He hates your guts, young lady. He'll show you he's your friend. But let me tell you what John chapter 10 says. He's a thief. He's not only a thief, he's a murderer. He's the father of murderers. And he said, he's come to steal, he's come to kill, and he's come to destroy. That's the Greek word, anneal. That's where we get our word, annihilate. He wants to wipe a record of you and your face off of this earth forever. But I come to preach tonight that there's more than just the field. There's the treasure that's in the field. Oh, somebody ought to praise God like you mean it right now. And so you have these, you have these fields, and then you have the strange attractors that are in those fields. And I can't talk about all the strange attractors. I, can't, I really only want to talk about one strange attractor. And that's the Holy Ghost. But, but you got to wait for me to get there. These strange attractors, they, they can be an education. Where people think that an education is more than a walk with God. Let me tell you something, Rock Church. You ever get that way, you better not have Bishop Elder come and preach. Because I'm going to tear up Jack and throw Jill down the hill. There ain't nothing that takes the place of the revelation of who the mighty God in Christ is. There ain't nothing that takes the place of the word of God and the moving of the Holy Ghost. Go get your education and then get over it and get in here and be who God called you to be and do what God called you to do. Money. Brother Williams, I don't know how many times I've prayed for God to bless people in our church. And when he does, they walk away from him. Remember the word of God where he said, after I gave you houses, you didn't build. And I gave you vineyards, you didn't plant. Some of you were so broke, busted, and disgusted, you couldn't pay attention when you come to this church. And now God's blessing you and you want a high and up idiot. I think the greatest demon possession there is is pride and arrogance and hubris because that's the very sin of Satan that caused God to kick him out of heaven. God forbid that I forget where God brought me from. And I'm so busy I can't come to church. And I'm so busy I can't kneel my knee. And I'm too important to shout like I shouted the first week God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what, God needs to rebaptize us with thankfulness and humility.
My God, I can't preach on that in Pentecost. Sister Williams, I remember the first car you ever had. Tony Surfling gave it to you. I won't tell you the first car Pastor Williams ever had. You know how we did the attendance in Pueblo when God first started? By all the oil patches in the parking lot and all the bicycles leaning up against the church. But if if you'll forsake the field and get a hold of the treasure... The the statistics now is one out of every two children born in America are born out of wedlock. One out of every two. That's heartbreaking. But Sports Illustrated says, CNN's Paul Crane, I don't even know if he still works for them, nearly one-third of all children in this country, or excuse me, one-half, are born to unwed mothers. But Sports Illustrated reports that among professional athletes, out-of-wedlock births are pandemic. Professional sports, that's the field. Fornication, adultery, cheating, lying, living on the DL. Oh, I'd have preached an hour about living on the DL. Coming to church acting one way. Some of you, that's how you were taught. That's the only examples you got. But there's a better way to live. There's a father that loves you. There's a father that wants to bless you. But you gotta quit living on the DL. And you gotta come out from among them, saith God. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. And he said, I'll be a father unto you. Go read the verse. Out of wedlock, a pandemic, out of wedlock bursts. And of the athletes of major sports leagues, those in the NBA appear to have the greatest number of cases. According to Sports Illustrated, this ain't my, this is Sports Illustrated. This is the one that you guys love. I read it long enough to get these statistics. Everything else in it was as debauched as Hollywood. According to Sports Illustrated, one of NBA's top agents says, this is what Sports Illustrated said about the agents of these players. The agent says he spends more time dealing with paternity claims than he does negotiating contracts. The agent tells the magazine there might be more kids out of wedlock than there are players in the NBA. And I'm talking about playing basketball. That You're supposed to laugh over that. www.faniq.com I read it's been almost a full year since I last brought this list of athletes with illegitimate kids. Or as I like to call it, the Athlete Illegitimate Kid Bible. But thanks to Larry Fitzgerald. Now listen, I'm going to name names. I don't have anything against these guys. Most of them are older. The issue is not these guys. I'm preaching against the field. And some of you think, well, 
I'll get in that field. It won't affect me. Let me ask you something. You put a screwdriver in a magnetic field long enough, what happens to that screwdriver? It becomes exactly what the field is. And if you play around with that field long enough, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be like everybody else in that field. Don't you think that you, oh man, I, that won't happen to me. Oh yes, it will happen to you. That's the field. There's men that are better sports people than you are and it happened to them. That's the field. That's what I'm after. I'm not, I'm not here to make fun of those guys. I, I love them. I want them, to be, I want them to be saved. I, I want to qualify this. And really the only reason I'm naming their names because that's what they wrote in Sports Illustrated. Y'all still with me? But thanks to Larry Fitzgerald and Michael Turner having squared off this weekend in the Cardinals-Falcons wild game, this was 2014, combined with the fact that I've been able to follow up on a lot of tips from Scott Skiles' alert, this guy's making fun. I'm not making fun. When I read this, this is him, okay? Over the last year, I figured it was time to update the list again for everyone's enjoyment. But first off, let's get to Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald and Turner. Fitzgerald, as you probably heard, got off into a domestic scuffle in October. That only became public knowledge last week because the woman involved in it finally filed a restraining order against Fitzgerald. But also contained in the reports was the fact that the woman... The woman was the mother of Fitzgerald's 11-month-old kid. As you can guess, they aren't married. Welcome to the club, Larry. By the way, I should probably mention here that more than a year ago, Fitzgerald tried to force this woman into getting an abortion. But she didn't want to, so now he's got a kid that he don't want. I guess in recent, and that's part of the field too. I'm going to stop on this abortion deal. Why do you think it's all right to kill a baby? That's part of the field. You know, I got to preach this to some Pentecostals, Pastor Williams, because they bought into the field. They got their eyes off the treasure and they bought into the field. Can I go a little while tonight? Is that all right? I'm trying to hurry, but I'm getting older. It's hard to hurry. As for Turney, he got in a domestic dispute with the mother of his infant child. That means his baby's mama. Last week, but luckily he didn't get tabbed with a restraining order. Nor was he arrested, but he too joins the athletes with illegitimate kids. Now those are fairly time bits of philandering. I mean, you know, aside from beating the women part, the big prize from research, and that's part of the field too. You don't like her, just beat her up. You got the money to get off. Well, some of you that think you're going to be a part of that field, you don't have the money to get off. And you're going straight to jail. You ain't collecting $200. You ain't passing go. You are going straight to jail. Straight to jail. Am I feeling good or what? Hey, let me tell you something. When you get rid of the world... It'll give you a liberty that you never dreamed about having. <clears throat> now the big prize from the research done this last year is Scott Skiles. 
He's a, he's a coach now. Skiles reportedly has at least six illegitimate chicks, uh, yeah, chicks and kids, possibly eight. He has a former wife who's been more than happy to spill the details of what she, the cheating, and I can't tell you what she calls him. He was, but she never been able to confirm how many Skiles juniors there were out there. Multiple people have told me, including a reporter doing the research on the subject, that Skiles has a minimum of six, but because he pays the monthly child support, no one really surely knows how many he has. Now, none of this is my words, brothers and sisters. I'm just reading this. You know, Brother Google is right up there with Acts. And that's pretty much the case with all athletes. The only way to, you tend to figure out how many illegitimate kids they have is if they stop paying child support. And sometimes that doesn't even get you close to the real number of kids. By the way, another guy I should know who came out this last year was Carl Malone. Who unbelievably, I mean, he hadn't played for years, but this came out in the last few years. He, he unbelievably got a 13-year-old girl pregnant when he was a sophomore at Louisiana Tech. How did we learn that? Well, that kid was drafted by the Buffalo Bills in 2008 as a football player and pretty much spilled the beans on how Malone had ignored him his whole life. Malone also has another illegitimate daughter who plays in the Women's National Basketball Association. But some of you have tried to pattern your whole life after Malone. I mean, he's the greatest rebounder in the history of this sport. Bless God, I want to be like Malone. I got him hanging up in my office. The mailman. Anyway, before we, man, it's quiet in here. Whoa. Before we get to the complete list, first a story from a reader about the prodigal son, Sean Kemp, who started me on this journey to chronicle every illegitimate kid fathered by an athlete. It's a story for the ages. Now, Sean Kemp is 51 years old now. Last I knew, he's still playing in Europe because he don't know how to pay for all of his child support. So he's a 51-year-old man Trying to pay child support. And some of you think, man, that's what I want to be. I'll have millions of dollars. Well, you'll be paying millions of dollars of child support. Not everybody put in the context I'm preaching. In college, I was an intern for the Portland Trailblazers. Mind you, this was during their Trailblazers heyday. While Sean Kemp was there, I did a bunch of stuff for the PR department. One day I was filling, filing a bunch of stuff in the office and I came across player questionnaires that they each have to, they have to feel out when they are a new player, when they are, when they are acquired. It gives them some stupid personal info to include in the media guide for the announcers and whatnot. Anyway, at Sean Kemp's questionnaire, under hobbies, it said girls. And my personal favorite under favorite breakfast, he listed girls. As always, feel free to let me know if I missed anyone. I didn't say that. That's the writer. The heavyweights, Calvin Murphy. Calvin Murphy's serving time, last I knew. 14 illegitimate kids by nine women. You, sir, are the current champion. Now, all of this is Sports Illustrated. Travis Henry, nine kids by nine women. All of this by the age of 28. Impressive. He's on a pace to catch Calvin Turner. The fact that he's broke from playing, paying child support may slow him down though. Ex-San Antonio Spur, Willie Anderson, nine illegitimate kids. If only his field goal percentage had been as high as his impregnation rate. I didn't say that. Sports Illustrated said that. Evander Holyfield, you know Evander Holyfield, the Pentecostal. 
the preacher, Ben Holyfield, that shouted to shout music while he was going out to punch somebody's lights out in the Holy Ghost. Nine illegitimate kids has more kids. Now, this is what he said. Has more kids than brain cells left. I didn't say that. I'm, I'm not making fun of these people. I'm just reading the article, okay? Jason Caffey, eight kids by seven women. Update, Sean Kent, 11 illegitimate kids by six women. Last time, supposedly up to 11 kids by nine women now. Gives his nickname of the Rain Man, New Meaning. Might also explain why he nearly played, why he, why he nearly played with the Italian team clear up. As far as I know, he may still be playing, trying to pay for these illegitimate children. Derek Thomas, some of you don't remember him. The great linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs died when he was 32 years old. Slid off the road, killed him a few weeks later after it paralyzed him. Seven illegitimate kids, five by women. He died when he was 33. He had, he had about an asset of $1.5 in cash, and they're still fighting over it as far as I know. Probably the attorneys got most of it. Unconfirmed, Dominique Wils Wilkins, you know, Mr. Sly, is it Slide or Smooth? I can't remember his name. Dominic reportedly played so long in the NBA because according to Magic, the Magic front office employee, he was paying money on 20 paternity suits. Middleweights, Scott Skiles, at least six kids, possibly more. Ray Lewis, six kids but four women. Four women. And a murder rap on top of that. Marshall Clapp and Marshall Falk, six kids but three women. Which is why he came out of retirement to pay for the kids, is what this guy says. Larry Johnson, five kids but four women. Three are illegitimate. Charles Rogers, Uber NFL draft bus, reportedly had five illegitimate kids, no paycheck. Uh, that's really going to help the family. Vladimir Guerrero, four kids by four women. Oscar De La Hoya, not only gets his pictures taken with women's clothes, four kids by four women. Uh, San Antonio, man, y'all are getting quiet. I lost my aisle runners here. San Antonio Holmes, three illegitimate kids by two women. Greg Miner, former Celtic, three illegitimate kids. Ricky Williams, Three illegitimate kids. Maybe that's why he smoked so much weed. Priest home, three illegitimate kids. You best keep running, priest. I, remember, this is the article. I'm not saying all this. Chad Johnson has three illegitimate kids. Mike Bibby apparently had two before leaving Arizona. Willie McGahee, three illegitimate kids in two years in Buffalo. Not doing a lot in Buffalo except making babies. Lots and lots of babies. Not sure what he's done since then. Shannon Horseface Sharp. Why did he say that? I didn't say that, Shannon. Three as well. Supposedly had all three of those in one year. Guys, you wouldn't expect in the group. The, the wonderful Christian, the virgin man, Dwight Howard, has illegitimate kids. Walter Herman, Peja Stajovic. Eddie Johnston, Jordan, who's the coach. NHL, Daniel Alfredson, NHL. Richard Zednick, Mike Miller, Marvin Harrison, Tracy McGrady, new members, uh, and then the famous old guy, Steve Garvey, the famous Hall of Fame baseball player. Two illegitimate kids by two women. Dr. J, two illegitimate kids by two women. Larry Bird, illegitimate. Isaiah Thomas, Jim Palmer, Daryl Strawberry, Pete Rose, Tug McGraw. There's just some baseball people, brothers and sisters. This is the field that you're excited to get in. 
The Getting a Head Start group, Gary Sheffield, had two illegitimate kids by age 17 and a few more later on in life. Tom Gordon, the former relief pitcher, three illegitimate kids by age 17. That's the sports world in the high school. Well, I'll let them play till they get out. No, if you let them play, by the time they get out of high school, the field has already affected them. Is this all right, Pastor? Let me tell you something. Do we love your kids more than you do? Would you take your kids and teach them how to snort crack cocaine when they're in the eighth grade? That's all part of that field, brothers and sisters. I'm preaching to some of you that you're in sports and you know I'm preaching the truth right now. You're seeing your buddies do it. I'm hurrying. Elijah Dukes impregnated a 17-year-old foster child. Also has four illegitimate kids. The the quarterbacks, Matt Liner, Tom Brady, the one everybody admires. Keep your eye on the guys group. Noel Devine. He's not an official member yet because he's not pro. He's just a sophomore. But he had two illegitimate kids. New members, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Turner, Antoine Jamison, Chipper Jones, Deshaun. Man, these are old. I haven't got to the new yet. I don't know if I have time tonight because I want to get to the good stuff. Ray Carruth, Juan Gonzalez, Andre Rison, David Justice, Andrew Jones, Alonzo Spellman, Dave Meggett, Gary Payton. Had a kid and he wanted a junior. He couldn't do it without major confusion, so he named his illegitimate kid Gary Payton too. He still plays in the NBA. I hope he didn't teach Gary Payton too the same thing about the field that Gary Payton one has to endure. Well, Stephon Marbury, Jason Kidd, Allen Iverson, Latrell, Latrell Spruwell, Juwan Howard, Kenny Anderson, Scotty Pippen, Akeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, Randy Johnson. So in other words, the moral of the story is wrap it up tight. Get your mind out together. Another day, another woman claiming to have a fling with Tiger Woods. We thought he was Tiger, but he's really a cheetah. I couldn't resist that one. (laughs) Aline Nordigan, his former wife, attributes him learning how to play the field to Michael Jordan, your hero. Michael Jordan, whose wife caught him with 26 phones to 26 different girlfriends. Oh, Brother Elder, you're tearing down my heroes. No, I'm telling you what the field does to good people. I'm telling you what the field does to good men and women. They overheard her talking in National Enquirer. Aline Nordigan warned, I don't read National Enquirer, I just found this article, okay? I want you to know that. Ellen Nordigan warned Michael Jordan's fiance, Yvette Prieto, that marrying him would be a big mistake because it was Michael Jordan who taught his golf buddy, Tiger Woods, how to cheat on his wife. www.examiner.com, access 912-2022. You can find it again if you want to. For all of you academic pointy-headed, I know how to cite. 
I had to do it for three years for my master's degree. Wilt Chamberlain claimed to have been in an illegitimate relationship with around 20,000 women. That's more than one and a half women a day. He died when he was 62, ain't no wonder. In his book, Juiced, Wild Times, Rampant Roids, and How Baseball Got Big, reveals, uh, Jose Canseco, Hall of Famer reveals, that in the 18 or so years that he was a professional baseball player, that he only saw one man in 18 plus years out of thousands that were professional players that was faithful to his wife. All of the other baseball players that he knew in the 18 years were unfaithful to their wife. And I heard them interview him. And he said when we would go to Super Bowls, they would rent a room for their wife and their family. And they'd rent four or five more rooms for their girlfriends. And I can't fathom why the wife put up with it. But that's part of the field too. Just keep your mouth shut and keep the money coming. Yeah, you have to deal with the STDs because you teenagers don't know this now. But one out of every three teenagers in America has STDs. And the devil's hoping that I'll keep my mouth shut so you won't know that that's part of the field too. That's what you have to contend with the rest of your life if you join that field and play the games they play. Somebody clap your hands and praise him. Twelve years, Travis Henry managed to impregnate ten different women and showed no signs of slowing down as his, young, his youngest kids grow up. Antonio Cromartie, is a cornerback with the New York Jets. Pretty good player, too. Charles Rogers, he was a bust as a second overall draft pick compared to Randy Moss, and Randy Moss was there, too. Yes, it shows that it's more popular to be one of the sports jocks than it is to be a daddy. And that's what you want for your children? You've already experienced what it's like to have a daddy walk off and leave you and not be the daddy to you. Is that what you want for your kids? That's part of the field. That's part of the field of Hollywood. Almost every movie they make, the hero has a, fa they have a fatherless life and the daddy's the goat because he's not in their life. I used to think, man, that's really sad, but now I think it's intentional because the devil loves having you as a slave. That's part of the strange attraction of that field. That's just part of the strange attraction. And pretty soon everybody has fatherless kids and everybody's doing it and everybody's following the strange attractor. I didn't even get started tonight on the criminal stuff. I just dealt with the immorality aspect of the corruption of that organized and professional sports induce. But I logged into a police blotter recently and found out the Dolphins wide receiver was arrested for domestic violence. Titus Titans wide receiver is arrested for DUI. 
Chiefs cornerback is arrested for profession of marijuana under the driving under the influence of drugs and speeding. Cowboys wide receiver is arrested for family violence. Seahawks running back is arrested for DUI. Broncos defensive end is arrested for aggravated assault. Jaguars defensive end is arrested for outstanding traffic tickets. Rams defensive end is arrested for DUI. Eagles running back is is arrested for false reporting. And and Vikings. Running back is arrested for resisting arrest. I, I could go all night, but this is the police blotter that I'm reading, and, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Or shall I talk about the recent thing that I read that made me, it made me weep. We read about Lamar Odom, how he almost died. Everybody knows Lamar Odom because he's part of another field, the entertainment field called the Kardashians. Don't have time to preach about entertainment, but uh, there's a field there too. That's why I don't have a television in my home. I'll never have a television in my home. I don't want anything to do with Hollywood. I don't want them influencing my kids. I don't want them influencing my marriage. I'm preaching to Pentecostals that are watching this right now. And I'm challenging you to listen to the Holy Ghost right now, my brother and my sister. And get that trash out of your life. And get rid of your Netflix card. And get rid of your YouTube movies. And get rid of it. I don't even know what all is there anymore. But I'm telling you, Hollywood is not only the antithesis of the church. It's the antithesis of America. They're the biggest dividers of race. They're the biggest race baiters in the world. Hear me, brothers and sisters. Don't get mad. Repent. Lamar Odom in his book, Darkness to Light, this is his own words. Lamar Odom writes, he confesses to sleeping up to, with up to six women a week, even though he was married at the same time. He also declared that he, he paid for plenty of abortions. He was also helplessly addicted to cocaine and other drugs. I don't hold that against that man. I'll tell you what it does. It makes me hate the devil more. And I'm saying, God, you help me. You help me. You help me reach these people before it's too late. Or we could talk about the gambling side. I don't have time to deal with it because you know what runs college sports and professional sports? You know why they're so popular? It's the gambling. And now we have to now we have to explain to Pentecostals that don't pray and listen to the Holy Ghost. Why, apostolics, do you need somebody to explain to you that you don't need to be gambling? September 24, Fox News reported that as much as $250 million in gambling was spent on the game between Green Bay and Seattle. Anybody remember that? That game where the whole world screamed because $250 million depended on one call that the referee made, and he made the wrong call. 
Now, I know you're acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. More than $1.7 billion are bet in the NFL every year on games. Go with me to betting cities and see the signs. It says, please don't leave your children in the car. They're, they're there. You'll be there next week. You got to take pictures and show them. I, I'm not exaggerating. And there's hotline numbers all over the place because betting is demonic. It's an addiction. When you read about the dopamine rate when a person bets, it will go as high as a dopamine rate when somebody is taking crack cocaine. Preaching about the field. <laughs> but here's where I really want to start preaching. In the middle of that field, there's a man that was walking along one day and he walked by Tarpoon Street. And he saw a big gray building. Eh, needed painted. You guys have done your best. I get it. But I'm having fun. So you got to understand, the same attraction is in the church. And just on a whim, that man walks in to that building. And the attraction of that strange attractor got a hold of him. Started pulling. I don't understand Esau, but I understand Jacob. There's something about daddy. And there's something about mama. And there's something about the house. Whew. I don't understand backsliders. I, I, I have compassion. I pray for them. I really do, but I don't understand it. Let me tell you something. I've had trouble. I've fought with sin. I've failed. I've sinned. I've had to get in the altar and repent. But I'm going to tell you something. I have no desire to go back to that field. I have no desire. Brother Mendoza, I turned my back on that a long time ago. I feel like David. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wicked. Don't take me back their tabernacles I don't want anything else to do with the mosh pits I know what it's like to be addicted to sports I know what it's like for God to snatch me out of that field I know what it's like to stand in an altar <laughs> with tears running down my face feeling the hands of my father upon me I know what it's like I know what it's like to have mama wrap her arms around me in lonely times oh yeah 
They ain't nothing like the church. They ain't nothing like the church. You hear me? They ain't. I'm addicted to the church. I'm addicted to the ministry of the saints. When I start thinking about church, my dopamine levels go up to over a thousand. They start firing at a thousand. Oh man, it's church time. Woo! There's a treasure. There's a treasure. I gotta have that treasure. I've gotta have that treasure. I don't know what the kids and that man's family was like. Dad's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. He's selling everything. He's selling out. My God, I could tell you story after story about people. You have your own stories here. I don't have to tell you. The family's scratching their head. What's going on? They were the life of the party. They were the ones that were getting high all the time. They were the ones... And they come to this church. <laughs> now some of you, you were raised in church. You don't know what I'm talking about. But you don't even realize that you got a testimony that is unbelievable. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I'd be in that field too. I'd be messed up too. I'm preaching to some of you raised in the church. You don't know what it's like. And I'm telling you, you need to thank God you don't know what it's like. You need to thank God that you're already addicted to Sunday night service. You already, I can't wait. I'm gonna tell you when the Holy Ghost moving, even choir practice is greater than anything that I had in the field. When the Holy Ghost gets moving, even Bible study is greater than anything I had in the field. Oh, I'm telling you, that treasure. (laughs) Mama's saying, honey, what are you doing? You're selling everything. You're selling the big screen. You just paid $10,000 for that. You're selling all your season tickets. You just paid. Don't get me started on that. Make a big deal about somebody putting a dollar in the offering. But that quarterback can drive his Bentley, his Ferrari, and you pumping money into that world. Not me. I'm putting it in the field. I'm putting it in the treasure. I'm putting it in the treasure. I'm done. I'm putting it in the treasure. But let me remind you, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. He didn't say where your heart is, there will your treasure be. He said where your treasure is. This is the most valuable thing that ever happened to me. This is a, come on, everybody, let's stand. This is the best thing. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. Can we lift our hands to Him? Come on, let's lift our hands to Him. I know it's late. I know I preach longer than I normally preach. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you this is worth having. On a Tuesday night, maybe there's somebody. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're watching this online. Listen to me, church. 
Sometimes these decisions are tough. They're tough. But they're worth it. Let me tell you, whoever I'm preaching to, you got to think of where will I be 10 years from now? What's going to be in my life 10 years from now? Too many of us, we just live in the moment. But I'm asking, I've asked the Holy Ghost all day long, God, if, if there's one person that gets a hold of this, this is worth it. Worth this a big deal. This is holiness, brothers and sisters. This isn't an emotion. This this isn't an emotional pull or play on somebody. This is this is holiness unto the Lord. So, church, I'm asking you right now. I'm asking this whole church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer with faith. Let's go to the Lord with prayer in faith. Can you lift up your hands, everybody here? Let this be a turning point. For people in this church. Let this turn be a turning point for young men in this church. Let this be a turning point. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Let's pray. Come on. Everybody. Everybody with your hands lifted, your eyes closed. Come on, let's pray. You are. The love of my life You are The hope that I cling to You mean More than this world to me Wouldn't trade you For silver and gold wouldn't trade you for riches untold you are you are my everything you are the love of my life you are the hope that I cling to you mean more than this world to me I wouldn't trade you for all the silver and gold no no wouldn't trade you for riches untold you are you As we're singing, I want us to pray, young men, young ladies, as they make this transition in the Holy Ghost with faith in their life. Come on, just a few minutes. Maybe you can find somebody and lay hands on them and pray with them. Wouldn't trade you for silver and gold. You 
Hey.